0: I'm so glad you've made it to East City Wesleyan's podcast uh, page. Uh, My name's Brett Jones. I'm the lead pastor here at East City Wesleyan. Uh, If you would like to find out anything more about uh, who we are and uh, how we're trying to learn to grow closer to God and serve our community, uh, you'd be welcome to get in touch with us at the contact details on the page. Uh, We'd love to hear from you and and see how we can serve you. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you again. People keep saying to me, see you next Sunday. Keep showing up. So we'll keep doing that while it keeps working. Uh, In the spirit of uh, continuing to get to know each other, because there's been some opportunities. A couple of weeks ago, on the video that was shared through the Express, you got to see my childhood home. Last week, I uh, shared about uh, the home that I lived in as a teenager uh, growing up. So, in the spirit of that, I thought I'd uh, let you in on a few more details uh, about myself. So, some of you may know I was a Boy Scout. And one of the things that we did in Boy Scouts is we learned to march, to do drill. Uh, And we would learn all of the ways that you need to to march and how to turn and how to salute and all those kinds of things. Uh, And it was really important that we stayed in step. And staying in step in the Boy Scouts meant playing by the rules. That's what it meant to stay in step. Uh, uh, some of you, because uh, oh, that's actually an actual photo of me in the Boy Scouts, um, similar anyway. Uh, some of you will know because you go to the same gym as me. Uh, I see you there just occasionally. Um, I don't know whether it's you or me. Uh, but I, I do have to exercise. Um, the body is evil, it must be punished. Um, but I'm a long term uh, member at the Howick uh, Rec Center Gym. Uh, long term member, sometimes I even go. Um, And I quite enjoy, if I get the chance, to do the weights classes there. In fact, there's a new class uh, that they've been advertising which guarantees no dancing. Because that's the kind of class that I have to go to uh, because I just can't do it. I can't do the the dancing. And the only way that I can do those fancy aerobics classes... uh, uh, Oh, gosh, we didn't do the lycra photo of me. Oh, that's, that's unfortunate. Can we do the lycra photo next, next week? That would be good. Um, is I have to watch the people around me. To stay in step, I have to watch uh, the people around me. So when I'm at the gym trying to do those fancy dancing classes, staying in step means following the crowd. That's how I stay in step. Uh, another thing that I've done uh, in the past um, is I've actually done um, ballroom dancing. Um, Yeah, I know you're thinking, you don't need any more elegance. You're already a very dainty person. Um, But I did actually for a period, at Howick Intermediate School, I would go up there uh, on weeknights and learn how to do ballroom dancing. It was a short-term obsession. Uh, Because I found that actually what I did most of the time was that I would stand on other people's toes. Um, It wasn't particularly pleasant for them. Uh, But what I learned was that in ballroom dancing, someone has to lead. Someone has to lead. Sadly, that was often me, and that was bad for everyone around me. But staying in step, staying in set, step meant following the leader, following the leader. So following the rules, following the crowd, following the leader, this is how we stay in step. Well, this week we're exploring the third of our values, uh, wholly, what it means to be Holy Spirit-led. And we've already had this um, really great exploration of this subject in detail in January so, and into February. So check it out online. Uh, you can check it on the podcast or on the YouTube channel. Uh, some, some great uh, teaching uh, from our own pastors, but also from some guest pastors. Really good stuff. But here's the thing. When it comes to being Holy Spirit-led, playing by the rules... Is not going to get it done. When it comes to being Holy Spirit led, following the leader is not going to get us where we need to go. And copying the crowd isn't going to work either. Since we live by the Spirit, let us live in step with the Spirit. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, as we gather around the word today, uh, we pray the dangerous prayer that you would speak individually to each one of us, that you would not leave us today as we have arrived, but that you would speak deeply into each heart. And I pray that, we would, that there would be something that we can identify as being for us today, something that, that you're revealing to us that is drawing us closer to you, that we might be people who are Holy Spirit-led, people who are learning to keep in step with the Spirit. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So keeping in step with the Spirit, uh, first up, being Holy Spirit-led, means keeping in step with love. And Galatians 5 really helps us to understand the fullness of what this is all about and also the process of being shaped towards love. Here's what it says uh, in, in verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So in other words, if we are in Christ, we are free. In fact, Paul, earlier in this chapter, implores the church at Galatia not to be lured back, not to be enticed back into a life of slavery. And instead, the the contrast that he sets up is this this call to serve each other uh, humbly, with humility, humbly in love rather than to indulge our own whims. And so you see, loving our neighbor is not just nice ethics. It's not just nice morality. It's actually how people in families and in communities and in places of education, and in workplaces, and even in churches. It's how people learn to live together without destroying each other, and without, in the process, destroying ourselves. Living free. Not not living as slaves. Living in step with love. And Galatians 5 gives us these two lists that help us to understand what uh, what keeping in step with the spirit looks like at a, at a deep character level. It gives us a, a, some really great examples uh, of what it looks like to, to be shaped uh, towards love. And so we have a list of warnings that help us to see when we're heading off track. That's the first list. And then we have uh, a list of, of attributes that suggest that we're beginning to... Uh, but be shaped by love, beginning to keep in step with the spirit in the way that we are learning uh, to love. And, and so the first uh, list Paul titles, the acts of the flesh. And he says they're obvious, sexual immorality and purity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. So so far you're going, well, none of that's, none of that's really me. Well, not this week anyway. <laughs> Hatred, discord, Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy. Now we're getting down into stuff that we see most days, uh, most weeks. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, Paul here is talking much more about... uh, a progression into a lifestyle that's characterized uh, by these sorts of uh, warning signs, R- rather than the one-off kind of slip. Uh, he's talking about a lifestyle shift. And he's talking about a lot more than just getting to heaven uh, uh, when, he, when, he, when he talks about these warning signs. He's talking about the full experience of living in step with the Spirit day by day for eternity. So it's something that impacts on, on how we experience life right now. It's not just a finish line kind of quote that we have here uh, in, in verse 21. And then we have the contrast. So that's, that's the warning. that's the warning list. If you find this, this list turning up more and more in your life, that's a warning sign. And then he has the other list, uh, the list which he describes, the, the, contract, the contrast with the acts of the flesh being the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Starts, starts off with the one that is at the heart of it. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self, self-control. Against these things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. So the answer to the question, <laughs> am I keeping in step with the spirit? Am I holy spirit led? Is not, do I keep the rules? That's not how we answer the question. Am I ticking the boxes? It's not how we, how we answer the question. The real question is, am I more loving? Am I more joyful, more peace-filled? Am I more patient? Am I kinder? Am I making better choices more regularly? Am I more faithful to God and faithful to, to other relationships? Am I gentler? Am I, more, am I more humble? Am I more self-controlled? Am I less Slavey. Don't know what that's a word if you look it up in the dictionary. The word slavey. Am am I still enslaved? Am I returning to the slavery? When I was uh, a younger Christian, people would often ask you this question, and I think it's a great question. And the question goes something like this How are you doing in your relationship with God? We just ask that how are you doing in your relationship with God? Now, I don't know what your thought process was, but when I was a young Christian, the answer inevitably was based on how many quiet times you'd had that week. So if you'd done like three, slightly under half, but better than none, anything above four was a win. And that's how you would, it's like people who ask you how many people come to your church. That's what they ask pastors. You're like, It's the same kind of question. Or another question that was being asked at the time often. Are you spirit-filled? I always felt that every time I was asked whether I was spirit-filled, that the person who asked it just got a little less spirit-filled, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Sometimes we're asking the wrong questions. We're trying to measure who we are in God by keeping the rules or ticking the box. Like that somehow there's a way of quantifying that, when what Paul says is that it's much more about how we qualify, the qualities that are a part uh, of our living, whether we are more loving, more joyful, more peace-filled, more patient, etc. See, at the heart of being a Holy Spirit-led church, at the heart of keeping in step with the Spirit, is this movement from living out of slavery to the rules and the box-ticking and all of that stuff. Slavery to the flesh, uh, of living out of our desires to please ourselves to instead living out of the freedom that God gives us. The freedom to choose to love Him. The freedom to choose to love uh, others. And so, being Holy Spirit led is, is not like marching. It's not like My drill in the the Boy Scouts, it's not like keeping in step with the rules, but keeping in step with a spirit who longs to grow fruit in our lives. We will know as individuals and as a church that we are Holy Spirit led when we see the blossoming of that fruit in our lives. That's how we'll know. Staying in step with love. But there's another way that we can look at how we are Holy Spirit-led, how we're keeping in step with the Spirit. And and Paul helps the Galatians um, and us, I think, by expanding not just the the what of spiritual life, what spiritual life looks like, uh, but also the how. What keeping in step with the Spirit, how keeping in step with the Spirit is possible. Verse 16, he says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This rich idea of of walking by the Spirit, of living each moment uh, uh, more and more, each moment more and more, moment by moment in the presence of the Spirit, of capturing moments and cultivating God's presence in our lives. And likely for most of us, that will mean prioritizing more time Cultivating um, spiritual practices or, or spiritual habits or, or disciplines or rhythms. I love what um, John Ortberg uh, says about this. He's written a number of books in this area. Um, and he says, uh, there it is on the screen. Um, disciplines do not earn us favor with God or, or measure spiritual success. They are exercises which equip us to live fully, and freely in the present reality of God, and God works with us, giving us grace as we learn and grow. So the answer to the question, what's your relationship with God like, is not how many quiet times you've had, because these are not measures of spiritual success. They are ways of opening our lives to the presence of God. And so they are, they are good things uh, in that respect, uh, but they are not ways of keeping score. And this is super important Uh, for a couple of reasons. The first is that doing spiritual practices does not mean we are spiritual. I mean, it's weird, eh? You can actually come to church and not be spiritual. Who would have ever thought that was possible? So often our activity just becomes another way of keeping score, of playing uh, by the rules. But also, and maybe this is more important, uh, for, for how we live. If it's not about keeping score, if it's really not about that, why do we allow it to defeat us so much when we find ourselves struggling with making God our priority? It becomes such a source of, of shame for us, as if failing means more than it should. See, the truth is that God is just one sustaining moment of his presence away from us, right, right there, ready for us, not waiting for us to earn our way back. We just keep the rules for long enough, God will show up. He's, he's right there, ready to turn uh, to us as we turn to him. And so we must give up measuring um, ourselves by how well we are doing in our lives by how well we are doing with our, these practices, I was really personally inspired um, by this thought when I visited John Wesley's home uh, in London when I was on sabbatical in 2013. I've, I've probably never been uh, in an historic home which has so authentically captured like the personality, the, the essence of its earliest. Uh, but that's that's that was how Wesley's house was for me. It might have been um, the location; it's always been uh, where it is since it was since it was constructed in the, in the late 18th century, um, right next door to Wesley's purpose-built um, chapel. And it might have been the way in which it overlooked, you know, the environment in which it was placed—the chapel that you could see out of the rear windows, um, the graveyard where Wesley's own mother was buried um, out the front. The bustle of Islington, the suburb that's right there, which is a suburb that just continues to have uh, great need. Maybe it was the attention to detail in the house and, and so much of the original furniture that had been, had been uh, left there on site, as if the owner you know, was just going to appear at any moment <laughs> to continue... Uh, Uh, His use, and then I came to Wesley's prayer closet, just off uh, the main, uh, just off his his bedroom, and it was this room that overlooked uh, the church itself. You may know that Wesley was a was an early riser, and and prayer was a part of his of his of his habit, a part of his his early morning uh, rhythms, and he's known to be incredibly disciplined, but just standing in that place, it's really hard to describe the sense of that, and just grasping the possibility of prayer, seeing that place, that place that had been worn bare by by the rhythm of Wesley's prayer, and the way in which it was overlooking the place of worship, you know, which for a preacher, that's Part of your responsibility is to be asking God, what do you want from me for the people? That moment just really grabbed me about the possibility of of what prayer, of what being in the presence of God might mean and how it was in some way expressed in this room uh, for me. Living in step with the presence of God. Actually, Lent uh, which we, we started on Wednesday, Lent started, offers us a, a great opportunity to cultivate uh, these moments of living in step with the presence of God. It, I know that most of you have given up chocolate for Lent. No one in my house has, sadly. <laughs> it's too tempting. But Lent is not just about what we, what we lay down, those things that we feel like are weighing down our lives and we could perhaps do without. Lent is also about what we might pick up, what we might do with the time and attention and focus that is released by putting down those things that distract and weigh us down. Lent is a great opportunity to pick up just one of these rhythms uh, that is available to us. In fact, if you weren't here at the very well attended Ash Wednesday service on uh, Wednesday, on Wednesday, yeah. We still run Ash Wednesday on Wednesday. Um, then we have this, this great little handout that is a way of just thinking through and praying through what Lent might look like for you. So if you do want to grab one, um, they are available uh, on, on the uh, little table there as you leave on the right-hand side uh, of the door. Um, something that you might find helpful. Because being Holy Spirit-led is not like aerobics. It's not about keeping in step with the crowd. But keeping in step with the Spirit. Who who longs to be, I think, more fully present with us in our living. And so I think we will show, we will demonstrate that we are Holy Spirit led if we are living more moments in the presence of God. Those moments that we carve out. And those moments that happen. Well, we are walking in the Spirit. So we keep in step with the Spirit by keeping in step with love and by keeping in step with God's presence. There's a final way that we can think about keeping in step, and that's keeping in step with each other. See, there's also a sense in which Galatians 5 calls us uh, To to be aware of the relationships that are are a part of the community of faith calls us to live in step with each other. Think about it for just a moment. Most of the fruit of the Spirit have a relational context. You don't need that many of the fruit of the Spirit if you're marooned on a desert island. You actually, there's hardly anyone there to test your patience. Patience gone, don't need patience anymore. Um, a lot of the fruit of the Spirit have this relational uh, context. And Paul is pretty clear that freedom from the acts of the flesh will result in people learning to love each other. He even takes it a step further in uh, verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Let us not become conceited, proud, provoking and envying each other. And actually in in chapter 6, he will take some time to exhort the church to do good to each other, to not just stop provoking each other, but to actually seek each other's good. And it's a picture of, of the church being built up, of the body of Christ building each other up, that are really common pictures that we find in Paul's writings. Next, time, uh, next week, we will spend some time in, in Romans 12, and we'll discover the same kind uh, of picture Or Ephesians 4, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Beautiful, beautiful image, beautiful picture of the body of Christ. Or um, 1 Corinthians 12, now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brother and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Translators as being a little kind there. Uh, sometimes that's translated as, I do not want you to be ignorant. That sounds a little bit kind of insulting, so uninformed sounds a little bit better than being called ignorant. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone... It is the same God at work. Now, to each one, each one, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given for the common good. See, being Holy Spirit-led, being, uh, living in step with the Spirit will involve us living in step with each other, learning to value what each brings, acknowledging that God gifts his children with spiritual gifts, each, each one of us that helps serve and grow the body. We're not just people growing, we're people growing uh, together. And these pictures help to see the connections that exist uh, between us. And I've seen so much evidence of this here in the last couple of weeks. I attend a pastoral care meeting. Uh, this week. And I saw the spiritual gifts of mercy uh, on show, the spiritual gift of intercession on show, not least the spiritual gift of administration, because caring for people takes organization. I saw those spiritual gifts uh, being used. Uh, the Hope Shop, I s- see that on Tuesday with the volunteers and also in, when, the, when the shop is open on uh, Wednesday through Saturday. I've seen the spiritual gifts of helps and administration, and the spiritual gift of mercy being exercised as people from the community uh, come uh, to, to, to get some help. Uh, I attended my first servant leaders meeting this week. Whew, got through that. No, it was a, really, it was a good time. Um, but I saw, uh, really interesting, I saw spiritual gifts of wisdom and spiritual gifts of prophecy um, and discernment being exercised in the course of, Uh, of that meeting. Uh, uh, Really interesting venue for the exercise of spiritual gifts this week uh, was the maintenance team. Um, I saw evidence of the spiritual gift of coffee. That was good. Uh, But I also saw um, spiritual gifts of of helps and administration and craftsmanship. See, God has gifted the body in all kinds of different ways. Uh, Even the preaching team that met this week Great time, just sitting down and, and, and reflecting and discerning where God might be leading us in the next few months. Spiritual gifts of knowledge and of teaching uh, and of wisdom. I could go on. Some of you know that. See, being Holy Spirit-led is being aware that the Holy Spirit is giving gifts to his people. And in a sense, we are also gifts to each other because we can't do it on our own. No one person can can do it all. And that's why he longs to release his spirit into the church, into you and me. I think it's at least one reason why our vision talks about people growing through the power of the Holy Spirit. It sits really comfortably with everything we've been talking about today. People growing in the way they express fruit, the way they express love. Yeah. People growing uh, in the way that they draw near to God, experiencing more and more of his presence. People growing. And here, as together we are the church, uh, growing in the way our relationships Work, but growing in the in the level of influence that we have in the community, the impact that we're having in people's lives, people growing, all through the power of the Holy Spirit in you and in me. You see, being Holy Spirit led is is not like ballroom dancing. It's not about keeping in step with the leader. It's about all of us keeping in step with the Spirit. All of us together being a part of what God is revealing in his church. Keeping in step with the Spirit. Who longs to see the body of Christ keeping in step with each other? We will know that we are Holy Spirit led. We will know that we're keeping in step with the Spirit if we are embracing each other the talents and the skills and the the spiritual gifts that are present, those that we are discovering in ourselves and those that we are discovering in others. Last week, I shared um, some of my story of of coming to know Christ, and if you're curious, you can hit me up afterwards if you missed it, or check it out on the podcast or or the YouTube channel, but. And I mentioned in in that story about a wise pastor who told me to find a home church. And that that same night, at that same evening church service, uh, we'd been offered the opportunity to be filled with the Spirit, to receive the Spirit, uh, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit as it's sometimes referred to in, in Scripture. And I was up for it. I was pretty much up for anything <laughs> at that period, so, so I went forward. And a bit like in the story I shared last week, I was just kind of waiting for God to zap me, because I was still hoping that God would, like, do some kind of God magic on my command, like I was some sort of Harry Potter. But he didn't. I had the opportunity to unpack this experience or lack of experience with a, with a friend's mother. Some of you knew Rosemary Agnew. And when I told my story, she was really insistent uh, that I had received the Holy Spirit, that God had acted. And she referenced Matthew 7, as she told me this, Matthew 7, 9. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Well, if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a steak. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It was a, it was a wise, wise word. And that Sunday uh, that followed, I was, I was present in a worship service when out of the blue I felt this, this kind of pressure on my chest. And at the same time, uh, sort of a, a, the best kind of uh, analogy I give is like, a, like an adrenaline surge, but it wasn't adrenaline because I know what that's like. And I knew I had to speak. I knew I had to speak out what God was doing in me. And I hadn't learned about any of this stuff. I don't know if you watched, saw the verse on the beginning of the video uh, from John 3. The wind blows wherever it wants to. Even some three-week-old Christian who doesn't even know what's happening. That was the first time the Holy Spirit really activated the gift of prophecy uh, in my life. It was just a simple affirmation of God's great concern for his children that morning. I spoke it out loud. And since that day, I have known the same sense whenever God wants me to speak for him. Whether it happens when I'm preaching, it happens quite a lot (laughs) when I'm preaching. Or praying for someone, I really notice it happening when I pray for for people. Uh, Or in a board meeting. You know, you can use spiritual gifts outside worship context, right? That's kind of the point of them. It's not to just lock them up inside this part of our expression. Or wherever the Holy Spirit leads me when I'm out and about and I see somebody um, like has anyone met? Um, where are we? I'm just going to get my bearings right. Has anyone met Corey down here in the in the mechanics? There's a guy. There's Corey down down the road. Yeah, there's people living and working right here. I felt really drawn to to spend some time just connecting with Corey when he fixed my tire for me. Because the, just the Holy Spirit leads just as we walk with the Spirit, helping me to live. And the Spirit. Well, we've been walking through our values to be vision-driven, to be Christ-centered, and this week to be Holy Spirit-led. And then this the Holy Spirit-led value is being symbolized uh, by this vial of anointing oil. And oil is often used in the scriptures to, to talk about the and symbolize the work of the Spirit. Sometimes to set people or things apart, like priests and kings, and that's why did, um, oil is often used in dedications, to set a child apart uh, for God. Or sometimes it signifies the healing uh, work of God, or uh, repairing our brokenness, or the activity of the Spirit uh, indwelling us. It's used in all kinds of different ways in the Scriptures as a representation of, the, of what's an external representation of an internal reality of what the Holy Spirit is doing. And so as we continue in our worship this morning, I'm going to give you the opportunity uh, to take a step forward to be Holy spirit And it's not going to be marching or ballroom dancing or aerobics, but it is going to involve some movement. And so the opportunity is to come and uh, just seek the Holy Spirit, and maybe for you, it's because um, you know that you're far from God, and you just want to know that the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is, is, is able to be present in your life. Maybe for the first time, or maybe this is the 21st time God is waiting for you. He wants to, he wants to fill you with his spirit. Or maybe you're somebody who desperately, desperately needs healing. Maybe you want to come for prayer for healing, or maybe you want to come and stand for somebody who's not able to be here because they're unwell. Come. Holy Spirit is available. That's what it means to be a Holy Spirit-led church, that we respond to opportunities. Or maybe you're somebody who's, I don't, I've never been filled with the Spirit. I don't know what that is. I didn't know what it is, and it happened to me. If you just want more of God, if you just want to have a sense of His Spirit overflowing you and being a part of your living, if you want Him to release um, spiritual gifts in you, if you want Him to be a part of how you grow into into Christ-likeness, if you want more of God, then come. You don't have to come to these places, by the way. You can come anywhere, and we'd love to just take some time to pray with you uh, and anoint you with oil. I'm going to ask the band to come as we prepare. And... uh, I'm, I want to read a prayer to you as we as we enter into this time together. This is actually a prayer that was sent to be me by one of my prayer team members. I have a prayer team. Um, my prayer team is like twice as big as everybody else's because I'm so I so need prayer. Most of you get by without much. Um, I need a lot. Um, and she sent my my auntie Ruth sent me this prayer. Um, so I love it if you'd stand with me. And um So we think about what it means for us to be Holy Spirit, to to keep in step with the Spirit. As we listen to the small, still voice of the Spirit in each of us, let's pray together. You are precious to me. I have waited for you. From before all time. Watch where you tread. Love others that they may know you are mine, and I am yours. Seek me in the quiet places. It is there that you find me. I realize you know all this, but it is still good to be reminded how precious you are in God's heart.